Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Good morning. I know you guys aren't going to believe this because I can't believe it, but I am 50 today. (laughs) So I think I have a lot to say, so I'm going to go really, really fast, really, really fast. You know, I was dreaming where I wanted to spend my 50th birthday, and there were a lot of places that I thought of. Most of them involved sun and beaches. None of them involved clouds and mud under a tent. But I am truly grateful to be spending my 50th birthday with my Bethel Atlanta family. I love you all so much. I'm going to give away some books really, really quickly. I have a few books on the table. I didn't bring very many. These were printed in Kenya. I don't know why there are little black marks over it, but who's a missionary? Anybody a missionary in here? Phyllis, you already got the book. Who is, who is that in the back? A missionary. Come fast, 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 fast. And then... Uh, any intercessors in the house? This is my latest new little book. It's uh, Effectual Keys to Answered Prayer. Come on, Rebecca. Come on. Come on. Come fast now. My minutes are ticking down. You're walking all slow. Come on. <laughs> I want you to slide in the mud. All right. We're going to do a quick update on Bethel, Atlanta, Africa. Where's my video people? With Okay, yes. Quick update on Bethel, Atlanta, Africa. And then I'm actually going to preach like a real message, not just about what's happening in Africa friends and supporters for your huge support in 2018, making Bethel Atlanta Africa a success. I want to give you an update on everything that happened in 2018 and then give some projections for our plans and goals for 2019. So Bethel Atlanta Cameroon, in spite of a two-year political crisis that's gotten very serious, we still managed to graduate 48 students in our first, second, and third year classes. And it was just a beautiful school year. This is our eighth year of raising radical revivalists. We're starting year nine this January. In Kenya, we had explosive growth. Last year in our Kingdom Leadership Academy, we graduated 19 students. This year we graduated 51 students in our first year class and eight students in our second year class. And there's such a beautiful momentum that's building there. So much excitement for what we're doing. And we're looking forward to launching more permanently in 2019. We went to Nigeria twice um, and we're partnering with the Kingdom community there. We're just building beautiful relationship with that group of people. We've been doing Bethel Sozo and Bessie, my transformation director, did basic Sozo conferences in both Abuja and she also traveled to the country of Togo to do a basic Sozo conference. I stayed back and I did Sozos and mentoring and I also taught with uh, my director, Boris. We taught Kingdom Foundations for our House of Prayer friends and partners there. And we're looking forward to continuing to build our partnership in Nigeria in hopes of building a school of supernatural ministry in Lagos and hopefully in Abuja as well. I traveled for the first time to the beautiful country of Botswana. Botswana is in Southern Africa, right above South Africa. And God has connected us with a beautiful church family there. Uh, Pastor Christopher Tembo and his wife, Viola Timbo. They welcomed us and it was just a divine connection from the first moment. And I got to meet with their leaders. I got to preach at their church, got to spend time with their worship team. And we just had a beautiful time of building family and relationship. And we're looking forward in the future to building a school of supernatural ministry in Botswana in Southern Africa. 
We also got to travel to South Africa where I met with one of my spiritual daughters there and we're hoping to do a leadership conference in the future in South Africa. So we've got Cameroon going strong, we've got Kenya that's building momentum, we're about to launch in the beautiful, huge country of Nigeria, we're in Botswana, South Africa, and Bessie has been to Togo. I didn't get to go, but I'm looking forward to traveling to Togo. In 2019, we're just looking forward to continuing to build partnerships and build leaders and culture to bring Bethel School and to bring the kingdom culture to the nations of Africa. So thank you so much for your support, trusting that you'll continue praying for us and supporting us in 2019 as we continue to dream of building the kingdom of Africa. Thanks and God bless. So, so grateful to you as a family just for supporting us. We started in one country, then we moved to two, and then this year we were in six countries on the continent of Africa. So I'm just still in shock and awe about everything that's happening and very exciting. Um, so two weeks ago, Steve preached a message, and I love that kind of message. The message did something to my heart, and it just has been exploding on the inside of me ever since. And I feel like God gave me a part two. I've never gotten a part two to somebody else's message. I didn't know that was possible. But I feel like God gave me a part two to his message. I love this time of year because January 1st, you know, it's all when we get the theme for the year and figure out what our next theme is. And then my birthday is right after. So usually the first two weeks, I'm like, God, what are you saying for 2019? And when Steve preached that Sunday, he was talking about the theme this year is we we are the burning ones, although right now we are the freezing ones, but we are the burning ones. And he placed the stanza of this song, and I, I, I just I felt gutted as he was uh, explaining the song. So let this love be like a fire. Let our life be like a flame. Fill our souls with your desire, and let our passion bring you fame. And just like, like um, Laura said this morning that we need to be making Jesus' name famous in the earth, let my passion, Jesus, let everything about my life, let everything that I do bring you fame. That's my heart's desire. That's my, oh, it's my everything. It's what I live for. It's what I will die for is bringing fame to the name of Jesus Christ. And so the message just, it did something to me. Go back and listen to it. And when I got home, God has this thing lately of waking me up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, I love you, but it's 4.30 in the morning. But that seems to be lately when he wants to talk. So we wake up and listen at 4.30 in the morning. And he just said, yeah, we're the burning ones. We're the burning ones. And I'm like, yes, I'm the burning one. I want to burn for you. I want to burn for you. And then he asked me, what does it mean to be a burning one? And you know, when God asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he wants you to know the answer. And I'm like, well, it means I'm on fire for Jesus, right? That's what it means to be a burning one. And he goes, no, but what does it really mean to be a burning one? And I'm like, obviously, I'm missing something. What does it mean to be a burning one? And he said, I want you to look up the words burning, sacrifice, and altar. I was like, well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> like... <laughs> Doesn't sound good at all. I'm going to be preaching on my birthday. Thank you. Steve always gives up his Sunday for me to preach. Thank you so much for letting me speak on my birthday. It's just, thank you. Such a blessing. But I'm like, I don't want to preach a birthday message on burning, sacrifice, and altar. I can tell. I don't even have to look through the Bible. That's not going to be fun. And, you know, you argue with God and then you shut up because you never win. So... 
He took me through some scriptures, and we're going to go through some of them, but there are so many. So we'll go through this first one, Exodus 29, 18. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Next scripture. But he shall wash its entrails, talking about a, a, a ram, and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Next one. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal, of every clean bird, and, every offered, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Every time there was a sacrifice, in all of these scriptures, every time there was a sacrifice burnt, have you guys ever smelled burning meat? Like I live in Africa where they're always killing meat and burning meat. It does not smell sweet at all. But every time God smelled burning meat on the altar, it was a sweet aroma to him. And so then I looked up sweet, I looked up aroma, and do you know it appears in the Old Testament and the New Testament 46 times, and every time it refers to a sacrifice on an altar being burnt, and the smell of it going up to God's nostrils, and him receiving it as a sweet aroma, as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And I was like, God, what's up with you? Why do you like the smell of burning flesh? I mean, what's that about? What is it about you that loves the smell of burning flesh? And what does that say to us as Christians? So I feel like you must be saying to me that we are the burning ones speaks to us burning and our lives burning passionately for you being a sweet smelling sacrifice. So that when we lay down our lives before you, it's something beautiful. You smell the offering of us giving our lives to you. And it's a sweet, sweet smell. Next scripture. For on my holy mountain, on the mountain height of Israel, says the Lord God, there all the house of Israel, all of them in the land shall serve me. There I shall accept them. And there I will require your offerings and the first fruits of your sacrifices together with all your holy things. So not only is it this burnt meat, but it's this thing of us giving our lives to God as sacrifice. And that, that has been my passion, but I never understood that it was something that, that blessed him so, that made him so happy. Literally, I mean, when I think of sweet smells... I don't think of burning meats. I think of, you know, mangoes and all sorts of wonderful things. I don't think of the smell of burning meat. But when God smells our sacrifice, when he smells the scent of offered up lives, he sees it as a sweet smell. Next slide. And continue to walk surrendered. Okay, so I wanted to bring it to the New Testament because obviously we're not giving burnt offerings anymore, right? Obviously we're not putting ourselves on the altar. We're not sacrificing ourselves in this way, in this way of actual burning flesh. So what does it mean in New Testament life? Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice that we don't have to burn meat on the altar anymore. Then that's, that's not what you expect. And so if you bring it into the New Testament, what does this whole life of sacrifice, what is this sweet-smelling altar, what does this, this, this burnt sacrifice mean? And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma. So the same 
animals being offered up as an, as, a, as an atonement for sin on the altar back in the Old Testament is the same thing that Jesus did when he gave his life for us. And thank God that was the last sacrifice. My, my, my uh, roommate and Transformation Center director and best friend, Bessie, she said she was reading one day the book of Leviticus. And I'm like, who reads Leviticus? Like, what are you doing reading Leviticus? She goes, no, 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 no. You need to read the book of Leviticus. Now, Bessie is a, a book hog. She'll read anything. I'm like, you have to convince me that the book of Leviticus is good. And she says, when you read the law, the law, and everything that they had to do just to satisfy, just to stay in relationship, just to atone for sin, when you read the law, you get the full appreciation of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's like, wow, maybe I need to read Leviticus. I didn't read it. I just took her word for it. But, <laughs> but if you think about it, in the Old Testament, what was a sweet-smelling aroma to God was burnt offerings atoning for sin. In the New Testament, what is a sweet-smelling aroma to God was Jesus' sacrifice to atone for all of us all at once. And now what is a sweet... Uh-oh, don't lose your notes, what is a sweet-smelling sacrifice? Romans 12 and 1, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. So in the Old Testament, atonement for sin was these burnt offerings on the altar, giving up this smell that was a sweet smelling sacrifice before God. And then as we moved into the New Testament, Jesus just got rid of all of that for us. He became that sacrifice, that sweet smelling aroma into the nose of God. And now we can join with Jesus and become that sweet smelling sacrifice by giving our lives to him fully, fully surrendered lives. So when you say we are the burning ones, it's more than I'm just on fire for Jesus. I'm screaming and shouting during praise and worship. It is living a life fully surrendered, fully submitted to God. As we were in praise and worship this morning, God said, go back to that last line in that song. Let our passion bring you fame. I don't know what the songwriter meant, but I was like, okay, what are you saying? He said, passion, passion. So I pulled out my phone and looked and saw what passion meant in the dictionary. And there's all the things about love and lust and, and you know, all the secular things. But then it came down and it said, in theology, it is the sufferings of Christ on the cross. And then the archaic meaning of it is to be a martyr, completely submitted. So in that song, let our passion and he said, just as the passions of Christ brought you salvation, let the passion of your life, submitted, sacrificed, surrender, bring Jesus fame. Jesus, let my passion, let my desire to give my life fully to you, to live completely surrendered and submitted to you, let that be what brings your name fame on planet earth. There's a message that I preach. It's called the most compelling thing. And it just talks about how the kingdom of Christ is to be the most compelling thing in our lives. There's nothing more important than Jesus seeing the fulfillment of what he gave his life for. Jesus came and died, not so that we could die and go to heaven, so that we could be restored to dominion, so that his kingdom could rule and reign on planet earth once again. 
When Jesus died, he went to heaven and he said, it is finished. And then he gave the disciples his keys and he said, make disciples of all nations. It's a dominion mandate. Just like in the very beginning, Genesis 1 and 28, he said to Adam and Eve, he said, subdue and take dominion over the entire earth. Let my kingdom reign through you over the whole earth. And then we know the fall happened. And then when he gave the Noah Noah covenant, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Just as he had said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, subdue and have dominion. When he did the Noah covenant, he didn't say subdue and have dominion. Why? Because dominion had been handed over to Satan. When God created heaven and earth and he gave that kingdom mandate and he said to Adam and Eve, here are the keys to planet earth. I've I've created you men in my image to rule as little God men on planet earth, have dominion. And then God sat down and he rested on his throne because he had fully intended for man to rule over the entire earth. He handed Adam the keys to the kingdom, the keys over heaven and earth. And then when Adam sinned, what did he do with those keys? He gave them to Satan. So then Satan had dominion over the whole earth. Just like Jesus said, the prince of the power of the air, the prince of this world has come. Jesus recognized Satan's lordship for that period of time where he was Lord. When he said, bow down and worship me, it was because he knew that Satan at that time had dominion over the earth. But thank God he didn't leave it that way. When, when, uh, when, I'm sorry, Justin's looking up like, what is she talking about? What scripture is that? What are you, what are you talking about? What scripture are you quoting? (laughs) Let me slow down. I'm watching the clock and I'm like, oh God, I got to get it all in. So I'm like skipping through everything. Just, I'll tell you after. So, (laughs) so. God gave Adam the keys and said, take dominion over the whole earth. Adam, unfortunately, through sin, and I'm going to talk about that again at the end. Remind me if I don't. He gave the keys to Satan, and then Jesus came, snatched the keys back from Satan when he descended into the lower parts of the earth and, and received authority over heaven and earth back again. And then before he ascends, he gives those same keys to his disciples, and he gives them a dominion mandate, much like the dominion mandate that God gave to Adam when he initially handed him the keys. Adam, take dominion. Adam gave dominion to Satan. Jesus snatched the keys back. And then he says to to all of us, take dominion, make disciples of all nations. And then Jesus ascends to heaven. And then Paul says, what is one of the most compelling scriptures, scary scriptures, overwhelming scriptures? He said, I make up what is lacking in my body, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Well, what could be lacking in the sufferings of Christ? When Jesus finished, before he, he, he did his final breath, he said, it is finished. So what could have been possibly lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Was Paul deranged? No, he's one of the most brilliant men that ever walked the face of the earth. So what did he mean by I make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Jesus said it is finished. He ascended and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. But is his kingdom ruling and reigning on planet Earth right now? Theoretically, spiritually, but in manifested physicality, no. I've been places in the world since I've been traveling. I've seen things. I can tell you the kingdom of God is not reigning on planet Earth. So when Paul says, I make up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, Jesus said, it is finished. I've done everything necessary. I've done my entire part. My part in redeeming planet Earth is completely finished. 
But now it's time for you. If God said, take dominion in the beginning, gave Adam the keys, said, take dominion, and sat down on his throne, Jesus, when he snatched the keys back, he, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, now you guys take dominion. He ascended to heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. So God is sitting in heaven. Jesus is sitting at his right hand. So who's supposed to take dominion over the earth? Those of us that are a sweet-smelling sacrifice, living, surrendered lives completely to the Lord. If we want to take planet earth, we have to become, do you know the word witness? When Jesus is ascending and he says, go and be witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth, that word witness actually means martyr. It takes surrendered lives to make up what is lacking in the afflictions of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. It's a hard question. And I promise by the end, you're going to be feeling happy and smiley. This part's a little hard. I mean, the thought of burning flesh is not quite an easy subject. How surrendered are you? Can Jesus smell your meat burning? Have you put your life completely on the altar? Have you given him everything? Let me ask you another question. What are your Isaacs? God gave Abraham a wonderful son of promise. And he said, this son, out of him, all the descendants of the earth, you know, he made him all these promises of, of what Isaac was going to do, what he was going to represent, as many stars there are in the sky, as, many, as much sand as there is on the seashore, so shall your descendants be. Oh, by the way, now kill him. How do you make your dreams come true if you kill your Isaac? But Abraham was a martyr. He was completely surrendered. He was completely given to the vision of God. And so can you imagine telling your wife, yeah, me and Isaac, we just going to go on a little excursion. I'll be back. We'll be back. And can you imagine, you know, Isaac looking around, I don't see no sheep. <laughs> Daddy, what we doing? And then he ties him up lays him on the altar, and had the knife over his head. I mean, I know Isaac needed a sozo, like, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but Abraham, in spite of the dreams that God had given him, these were God-given dreams. Abraham wanted a son. God promised him descendants and nations. These were God-given dreams that Abraham had, and yet he was willing to sacrifice his prized possession, the most important thing, he was willing to sacrifice it because God said so. What are your Isaacs? I believe there's such an amazing calling over Bethel, Atlanta. I've been praying for revival in the U.S. for years, and God pointed out that Atlanta was going to be a key place in revival happening in this nation and therefore being exported to, throughout the whole earth. In order for us to bring the revival that is the dream of God's heart in Atlanta, in the U.S., we need some burning meat. We need some lives laid down. We need some martyrs, some witnesses. We need some people sending up a sweet-smelling sacrifice before the Lord. How much are you given over to the promises of God, uh, to, the, to, the, to the life of God? How much are you given? Can you say, like Paul, I make up in my flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ? 
Can you honestly say, I've sacrificed my Isaacs, I've given up everything, because I believe that the kingdom of God being manifested and established on planet Earth is the most important thing. I believe in this kingdom. I believe in what dominion looks like. Have you ever took the moment to imagine what the world in revival would look like? What would it look like for there to be no war? What would it look like for there to be no child slavery and no sex trafficking? What would it look like for there to be no poverty? What would it look like for there to be no cancer, for there to be no illness, taking people out prematurely? What would it look like to have healthy, happy families living in, in, in joy and, and, and hope? I mean, I could go on and on and on imagining what the world, just America itself, when I think of Africa in revival, it causes me to die just a little bit more. When I see the ills and, and all the things, the poverty, the premature death, the witchcraft, the, the, the wasted potential. I have the most amazing kids in Africa. And when I look at them and I see them doing amazing things, I just wonder, who would you have been had you grown up in, in America? Like where you took your first breath has determined the outcome of your life. What would Africa look like in revival where there's no limitations, where nobody is limited because of poverty or all the other ills that affect society? Imagine your world, imagine your family in revival. If you can see it, I believe, I teach vision. If you can see it, it'll make you give up everything. Me dreaming of Africa in revival, I'm willing to give up everything. I've been some places, I've done some things. Just, you know, when I come here, I refuse to use the porta potty because I've used the bathroom in places. <laughs> like, I just kind of sneak in the office, like, today I'm using a real bathroom. Yes. But when you imagine the world in revival, when you imagine Jesus having dominion, some of my favorite scriptures are scriptures of pictures of him ruling the earth. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is the one which will not be destroyed. Jesus is a glorious king, and it is his destiny to rule the whole earth. But the only way that Jesus is going to rule the whole world is if every single one of us makes that same decision that Paul made, that I make up in my flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to die? How do we die? Dying is not easy. Can I say? Dying is not easy to your dreams. To your, I mean, my beautiful family is right here, all in the first row. My best friend is here from Dominican Republic. She's a missionary there. And I see them twice a year, twice a year. We had a birthday party last night, and the, the whole time I was just standing there rubbing my daddy's head. I love rubbing his bald head. He's just the sweetest man on the planet, and I see him twice a year. Whew. Dying is not easy. This is my niece. She's 15. She is the most beautiful girl on the planet, and I see her twice a year. Dying 
is not easy, but it's so worth it. And let me show you why it's worth it. Let's skip that scripture and we're going to go to the next scripture. So some folks brought over this passion translation. The leadership team brought over the passion translation. Oh, not that one. I don't run out of time. Skip that one too. Go to the Song of Solomon. <laughs> Let's go to Song of Solomon. Yes, that one. <laughs> the leaders came over and they brought us the passion translation and it just, it's changed my whole life. How many of you think this is a sex book or it's just it's too much poetry, too much imagery, you can't understand it? I remember we were little, it's like, oh, you're not 16, you're not allowed to read Song of Solomon. It's like, <laughs> the Bible. But reading it in the passion just makes it so much more understandable. This is the most beautiful love story. And it is the love story. It's not about sex between, you know, they're like, when you get married, then you can read Song of Solomon and, you know, you can learn what it is to be a Christian in marriage. And no, this is Jesus and his bride. This is Jesus and us. Y'all get y'all one of these. You can get the whole patch, but get this one and read it from cover to cover. There's so much beautiful imagery of what love looks like. So if you want to know how do I become a sweet-smelling sacrifice? How do I put my life on the altar? How do I become the aroma of God in the earth? And we just skipped that scripture that I should have read. Yes, let's go back to the one in Corinthians. Sorry. God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, through our yielded lives, burning, altar, sacrifice, passion, surrender, through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. Through our yielded lives, it's that same picture of a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Do you know back in Genesis, when, when Noah came off the boat, he sacrificed some animals. And it came up as that sweet-smelling sacrifice. And because of what he was smelling, God said, never again will I destroy the earth the smell of burning flesh, the smell of sacrifice so moved the heart of God that he made a covenant and said, I will never destroy the earth again. What if my life as a sweet smelling sacrifice makes God say, I won't allow destruction in Africa anymore? What if your life as a sweet smelling sacrifice, as a yielded sacrifice makes God say, I won't allow sex trafficking and all these things that are happening in America anymore. I smell burning lives. I smell yielded lives, burning, altar, sacrifice, passion. How do we do it? Dying is not easy, burning is not easy, but here's, here's the answer right here. Song of Solomon 8 and 6. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as a prisoner of my love. My love is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire. Place this love, this unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never experience this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed this is love. He's talking about the fiery love of God. 
When you have the love of God, rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Floods won't be able to quench the fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop as nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire of God's love until it won't even seem like a sacrifice anymore. That's the key. If you want to give your life away, if you want to be the smell, the aroma in the nose of God, of yielding, of being a witness, of being a martyr, fall in love with him. And I, I mean, when you hear this, this scripture, it's kind of hard. It's like, you're going to set me on fire and I'm going to burn until I don't care about anything. But, because, yeah, but you have to read the entire book. Let me get my couples up here and I'm going to show y'all what this book is about. It's just beautiful imagery. Read it in the passion. It'll make sense. He says things. He spends the whole book saying things like, you're beautiful. You're without flaw. When I look at you, all I see is, is perfection. He says things like, I am your beloved and you are mine. He says things like, you have captured my heart. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse, my equal, the one whom I love. You've captured my heart. And I wanted these guys to come up and help me demonstrate this furious love. One of my favorite scriptures is in Song of Solomon. This is Denise and Cooksey, my beloved Cooksey. Oh. They got married Wednesday. <laughs> so this is a picture of brand new love, okay? This is my beloved Mike and Kim. They are celebrating 20 years of marriage. Yes, they were six when they got married. So Denise is, is one of mine. I, I adopt daughters all over the planet and she is one of mine. I adore her. We used to sing the single blues together and then all of a sudden this quiet champion came into her life. And, you know, I was checking him out, like, okay, who is this? Is he going to be good to her? What's he like? And y'all know Cooksey don't talk much. So if you want to know, you got to watch him. So, Cooksey, I've been watching you just to make sure you were okay for my girl. And I would notice when I would go over her house, the house felt different. I've been to her house single, and I've been to her house with Cooksey there hovering. He don't say much, but he just sit in the corner being a man covering her, loving her, loving her children. And the whole house feels different with Cooksey in it. That's what love does. Have y'all ever spent time with them? My favorite thing to tell them is y'all are sickening. Sickening, sickening. But I ain't gonna lie, one of my favorite places to be is in the back seat of their car. And they're driving me because they always take me to lunch or dinner or something. They spoil me ridiculous when I'm here. They always take me somewhere. And they're in the front seat of the car going back and forth. And they finish each other's sentences. If I give one of them my phone for a prophetic word, they pass it back and forth five times. Like they can't talk without the other one talking. You know, they both tell the corniest jokes. We had to put Kim in joke detention this week. I'm not sure we've allowed Kim out of joke detention. When they call each other, it's always a video call. I'm like, can't y'all just... Bring on the phone. No, I need to see. Sickening. Sickening. Oh, my God. But they are such a beautiful picture of married love. Okay? So now we're talking about how do we become a sacrifice? How do we become a burning 
smelling, sweet-smelling aroma before the Lord. And we're talking about his fire becoming a seal upon our heart. Burn me up, Jesus. How do we do that? By his love. One of my favorite scriptures in here, they're going to illustrate. I wanted them to come up here and do it so you could see it, so you could see who we're supposed to be with Jesus. Over and over, it's a theme. You know this is poetry, so it's a poetic theme throughout this book. He says this phrase, anytime I'm feeling sad, anytime I'm feeling challenged, anytime I'm missing my family, I read this scripture and it says, like, I need God close. I need to feel his intimacy. I need to feel his love. I need to feel him close to me so I can feel better. And the scripture says, his left hand cradles my head. And his right arm pulls me close. And I am at rest in this love. Y'all so sweet. We practiced this at my house last night, the birthday party. And they were still doing the single hug. I was like, no, 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 y'all legal now. Pull her close. <laughs> Pull her close. <laughs> this is the picture this is what allows you to lay down your whole life. I know, I haven't known him long, but I've seen the way he looks at her. I've seen the way he loves her. I've seen the way he lays in her lap with complete and total trust. I've seen this beautiful budding love. I believe with all my heart that Cooksey would take a bullet for her. That's love. His left hand cradles my head. His right arm pulls me close and I am at rest in this love. These sickening folks right here, they demonstrate. They demonstrate the beauty of that same love that Jesus is talking about. He would run into a burning building. I, I can't think of what he would not do for Kim. I don't even know what he wouldn't do. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. Get a room. Get a room. <laughs> When you know how much you are loved by him, just like the scripture says, nothing seems like a sacrifice anymore. If you want to be that sweet smelling aroma before the Lord, if you want to give your life, can I tell y'all one more story of beautiful love? It's going to make me cry. It's going to make my mama cry. My uncle Willie just passed away. He had a long battle with cancer. And he was, he just, he was, you know, as cancer does, he was in a lot of pain. He was very sick. He lost a lot of weight. It just was sad to see what happened to him. And it got to a certain point. They put him on hospice. Mom was calling me in Africa saying, this is happening and this is happening. And as a medical doctor, I knew any day now, it's, it's going to, that's going to be it, any day now. And then I get home and he's still alive. I talked to him on, the, on, the, on a video chat and I was like, hi, I get to see you. I get to talk to you. But then he started deteriorating and talking to him wasn't sweet. It just was bad. It was sad. It was horrible. And I just kept saying, Jesus, he's saved. He's lived saved all his life. He loves you. Bring him on home. You know it's bad when you start praying. Just, just take him, Jesus. And I asked God, what is holding him here on planet Earth? And he said, Aunt Linda. She wasn't ready to let him go. She was having conversations with everybody. She was making the doctors do everything. And she just telling people, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I can't handle it. And I know the Holy Spirit said, he's waiting for her to be okay. He's suffering. He's losing weight. He looks awful. He's in pain. All of this is happening to him, but he keeps breathing every single 
day because she's not ready. Aunt Linda called mom one day and she said, I'm ready to accept it. And Uncle Willie passed the next day. Love, fasten me as a seal upon your heart. Take me into your heart as a burning flame. The night after Michael Maiden preached, I had this amazing encounter with God where he woke me up with this very scripture. And I just saw him as a fire. And there was a fire on this, at the end of a spear and he plunged it into my heart. I said, yes, God, yes to dying more to you. Yes to giving myself more to you. Yes to more sacrifice. Yes to being a burning one, not just one that's on fire for the Lord, but a burning one who's willing to give my entire life in sacrifice. Yes, God, place me as a seal. I'm placing you as a seal upon my heart. I'm allowing you to be that burning flame of fire within my heart forever and ever. And he took this fiery spear and plunged it into my heart. And he said, forever, you are a prisoner of my love. Forever, you are a prisoner of my love. I, I just believe that things are going to go to a new level in ministry, in life. The more we die, the more he's able to do through us. The more we give ourselves, the more we become a living, burning sacrifice. The more we give ourselves, the more we surrender ourselves, the more he can accomplish. I make up in my flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. One, two more pictures. Uh-oh, I'm in the red on the clock. Two more pictures. That picture of the passion, the picture of Jesus going through. Have you guys ever seen the movie Passion of the Christ? I've watched it once. I will never ever watch it again. It was the most painful thing I ever went through because the whole time I'm watching, I'm thinking, this is for me. This is for me. Adam in the garden, I had one of my spiritual fathers that preached once, and he was saying, do you think Adam was just an idiot? Do you think, you know, Eve ate the fruit, and then he just was like, oh, okay, it looks good, yeah, shiny, let me, let me eat it too? No, it was the greatest sacrifice of love. God had made him one with Eve. He was supposed to live in forever oneness with Eve, and Adam understood I mean, think about it. He was made in the image of God. He named the animals. He had all revelation. He had the mind of God. It wasn't this, okay, let me eat the apple. It was, I understand what just happened. She ate the apple. She entered into sin, and she's going to be there alone. And we're going to be forever separated. Adam eating the apple was the greatest act of love. And in it, he plunged all of us into sin. He must have been able to foresee the redemption of the world through Jesus Christ. But he said, oh, my bride, my rib, the one who came out of me, the one who I'm one with has now fallen. And she is going to be forever outside of the love of Christ without me. That's how he ate. Not, okay, it's so shiny, it's so sweet. He ate with passion for his bride. Jesus died with passion for his bride. Let my passion bring him fame. Let me, partaking in the sufferings of Christ, bring his fame throughout the earth. Let his kingdom be established 
on planet Earth because I decide, I lay down my life, and I become a living, burning sacrifice for Jesus Christ. I want to be the aroma and the fragrance of Jesus Christ on planet Earth. And I think if we all make that commitment, if we all do that, if we all join together, if we all take the burning spear into our heart and become a prisoner of love for the rest of our lives. And when I say prisoner of love, I mean sickening love. I mean, he loves us so much. We are his bride. We are his beloved. We have ravished his heart. There's nothing he wouldn't do for us. Jesus, now there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see you get your full reward. And I lay down my entire life so that your kingdom might go from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends of the earth so that the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Let me get some music, just a little bit of music up here. So who is willing to become a burning one? We're just going to sing that a little bit. If you're willing to become a burning one, if you want to take the spear, the burning spear of his love into your heart, that love, that fiery, raging love, that, that love that cradles your left hand, your head in his left hand and draws you close, that love that says you're perfect, you're flawless, you're beautiful. When I see you, I only see perfection. That love that says I'll eat the apple so I can remain one with you forever. That love that says, I will take on the sufferings of this entire world. I will take on the sin of this entire world just so that you can be free. That same love that when we take it into our hearts and we become its prisoner, then we can change the whole world. I wanna change the whole world. My life over the last eight years has started to make me believe that I actually can. Going to six countries this year has made me start to believe that I can change the whole world. I'm looking for some people to join me. Let's take planet Earth for Jesus. Are you willing to be a burning one? Are you willing to give your life completely? If our theme for Bethel Atlanta for the year is we are your burning ones, are you willing? Are you willing to give it right now? Are you willing to say, yes, Jesus? Jesus, we just thank you for your passion. We thank you that your passion brought us salvation. And we just say, let our passion bring you fame. Jesus, just as you gave your life for us, we're willing to give our lives for you. We want to be your burning ones, Jesus. Plunge the spear of your love through our heart. Set us, we, we set you as a seal on our hearts forevermore. We just say yes, yes to your love, yes to intimacy with you, yes to your love being so great that nothing hurts, nothing matters. There's no sacrifice too great. There's nothing that we wouldn't give up for you. There's nothing, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you shed your love abroad in our hearts. It's only you that gives us the ability to give this kind of yes. It's only you, Jesus. Just come forward. If you want to be a burning one, just, just come forward. Let's just give it all to him. Jesus, we give you our lives. We give you our all. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. 
To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.